All right, we're going to read a story today from the book of Joshua. If you were here a couple weeks ago, we read a story from the very first chapter. Well, we're not going to move very far into the future. We're going to go with chapter 2 in the book of Joshua. Read about a woman named Rahab. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know... Where the men went, pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them in the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to, the, up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. And that the fear has fallen upon us. And that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you will deal kindly with me and my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our lives for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward, you go your own way. The men said to her, We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of of yours that you have made with us, that you made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that, we have made, that you've made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in her window. All right. Today, this long story, we're going to talk about three things. And these three things are going to help each and every one of us because you and I experience guilt and fear every single day. 
These three things are these simple symbols that are pointed to us in this story. The first of which is a block of ice. The second of which is a prostitute. And the third of which is a rope. And already you're thinking, this does not sound like a church talk, does it? We have some guests here and they're like, what in the world? This is in the Bible? Absolutely. And this is not a disney sort of prostitute. This is a legit, she sells herself to the highest bidder. This is how she makes a living. So we have the ice, the prostitute, and the rope. And this is going to speak of what God is doing in your life today and what God is up to and how he has something to say that is absolutely crucial for you to know about anything that you may fear and anything that you may feel guilt over. So let's take the first things first. Big block of ice. I want you to imagine this block of ice about yay big sitting on a sidewalk on a hot summer day just starting to melt. It was once strong, but it is eventually turning into nothing. It is slowly starting to disappear. At this state in history, Israel had been wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. And Moses had died, Joshua took over. And they're standing finally on the doorstep of the promised land, of the land of Canaan, that God said, I'm going to give you this land. And the first city that they would take would be Jericho. And they look at Jericho, and they need to know a little bit more information, so Joshua sends two spies in to to figure out what's going on. But the rumor had started to spread that these spies were here, and that they were starting to figure out where to put the furniture. And so this sent the entire city of Jericho from the lowest to the top in a great panic. They were filled with fear. You see, because Israel, though they were a nomadic tribe and they wandered in the wilderness, they really didn't have much of a substantial military. They were defeating some of the most powerful militaries in the entire world, including Egypt, for crying out loud. They defeated Egypt. And they gave all of the credit to their God. And they were starting to hear that this same God was giving them their land. So their response was fear. Fear and terror and chaos. Because they knew that they did not worship this God. They had rejected him a long time ago. They wanted nothing to do with him. And what ended up happening was as it's described here is that their hearts were melting away. Their inner strength, their confidence, their swagger was completely gone. They didn't know what to do. Their hearts had turned to virtually nothing. They were about to suffer the consequences of their choices. And they didn't know how to fix it. And they scrambled around trying to fix it. Trying to trying to protect themselves, trying to solve the problem. Have you guys been there before? I mean, struck with with guilt, struck with fear over your own choices, over your own sins. Maybe it was that moment as a child when your dad screamed out to you your first and middle name. That straighten any of you guys out? No, better do. What'd you do? I don't know. Or what about that time when you know you've said something or done something against a friend and you're trying to text them and trying to get their attention, but you're getting radio silence. 
And your heart is just aching and it's tugging at you and you want to fix this. You know you've done something wrong and and you just want to make it all better and you don't know what to do. To feel this, it's called guilt. And it's universal. To feel guilt means to be human. Because we're sinful. This was what went through the heart of Adam in the garden. It's what's going through the hearts of the people of Jericho, and it's what goes through our hearts every day when guilt tugs at us, and we're facing the consequences of our choices, and we don't know what to do, and we just want to fix the problem. Our hearts melt away all the time. We think we're strong. We think we're bold. We think we have life all together. And we'd like to portray that and posture that to our friends and our, our professors and our loved ones, but in reality... Our hearts are melting. They're melting inside of us. We don't have ground to stand on. So here, this block of ice is melting in the city of Jericho. And it's melting in our hearts and in our minds. And it's starting to turn to nothing. We have nothing to stand on because of our sin. And then we come here to the prostitute. God wants us to pay attention to her. She's actually named, and this is crucial. Typically, women would not have been named at this stage in history. But God gives, shows the, the, who she is and says, I want you to not only know her, but I want you to identify her. She is crucial in this story. She is central in this story. This prostitute, this woman who was incredibly vulnerable and outcast, she was so far outcast in her culture, she lived in the wall of the city. If they could have put her on the outside of it, I'm sure that they would have figured out a way to do that. But this woman, God says, pay attention to her. I'm putting a spotlight on her for you. And I want you to see what she does. You see, Rahab, this prostitute, she was feeling the same thing that everybody else in Jericho was. Guilt. Fear. Her heart was melting along with everybody else's. But there's something that sets her apart. Everybody else is in panic mode. Everybody else is in chaos. Everybody else is trying to fix the problem. Everybody else is just trying to make everything better. But for her, it's entirely different. You see, in her line of work, she she understands power. She understands who has power. And she knows how vulnerable she is day after day. And how other people have power over her. And she knows how to be careful around certain people. She knows that she's empty and powerless in her life. And so when all of this judgment is coming down, she's looking around trying to find the powerful one to align herself with. Trying to find the one who is the powerful one, who is the strong one, that she can find not just a way to fix her problem, but that she can find rescue out of this terrible situation. She's about to die with the rest of her countrymen. So she goes to the one place that she knows she can find rescue and hope and strength, and that is in the Lord God. This woman who lives outside of Israel, who has no exposure to them, confesses this beautiful confession that the Lord is the God of the heavens and the earth. He is all-powerful, all-knowing. She bows out. She worships this God. See, there's something that we need to see here. That Rahab was actually the strong one, wasn't she? 
She was strong not because of any sort of inner confidence or not because of her ability to power through a problem and not because she could fix every little thing that was going on around her. But she is strong and she is courageous because she worships the one who is strong and courageous. And God says, this is what my children do. Because not only was she rescued out of this life as an outsider, out of this life of being vulnerable, out of this life of being a prostitute and brought into the family of Israel, but she not only was able to get married and have children and have a family, but eventually her family, a little bit down the ways, her great-grandson, his name was David. Like David and Goliath David. Like King David. The one that is the, the, the king that we look to in Scripture to point to Jesus. And you know what else this means? Is that Rahab is actually, by blood, connected to Jesus. She's mentioned in Matthew chapter 1 as a part of his genealogy. So from prostitute to outsider to having royal blood in her family, this is what happens with Jesus on the cross is he rescues us out of our place, out of being an outsider, an outcast in his kingdom, and he raises us up and he brings us into his family. His royal family. Divine blood courses through your veins when we come to faith. This is what we see in Rahab. And then, the scarlet cord. This little rope that maybe she used to to let Johns out of her home. It's here that we see that As she hung that out, it was a sign to the rest of the world that she was covered and that she was rescued and that she was saved by the power of God, not by her own power or strength. That's what we see in that little scarlet cord, that little piece of rope that hung out of her window. It meant salvation. And you and I, we are given a scarlet cord too. In the streams of blood that are shed from Jesus Christ on the cross, that covers you. The judgment and the guilt that you fear, the the God that maybe even we fear, and the consequences that we fear, and the eternal consequences that we fear, we are given a scarlet cord to cover us in the work of Jesus Christ because of his strength, because of his courage to go to Calvary, because of his willingness to lay down his life and sacrifice for you. We are rescued. We are set free. We are now family with God. And we are made family with one another. Divine family. Family covered in grace and forgiveness. Washed clean of our past and given new life. So you want to know how to deal with your guilt. You want to know what to do when you're melting. We become powerless and look to the all-powerful one who will give us and does give us salvation, forgiveness, and a fresh start. This is your gift today, friends. Your free gift. You are saved by the blood of the Lamb. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we celebrate you today. We celebrate what you have done through the life of Rahab, including her and your family. God, 
You've included us in your family too. She's our sister. She is part of, part of us, part of our life, this story. Let us not see ourselves greater than anyone else, but let us see ourselves with her. The outsider that you've brought inside. The unlovable that you've made lovable. The sinner that you have made into a saint. Lord, we do not fool ourselves anymore, but instead cling to you. In our melting state, you chose to save us. Be our strength and courage this day. Be our, all, our almighty God. We lift up your name this day, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.